Hello and welcome back to The Unqualified Historian, the podcast for those who know nothing about history, like me, Becca. I feel like I might be a bit quiet in this podcast because my days off work have been messed up, so I'm recording this in the evening and my daughter's asleep, so I don't want to get too loud, so I'm sorry about that. I also feel like I've made a bit of a boo-boo this week because we're in the same time period and same country as last week, so sorry about that. But I feel like Harriet Tubman is the complete opposite of P.T. Barnum though and I promise it's worth it. So what do we know about Harriet Tubman? I don't really know anything at all. I knew she had something to do with slavery but that was it really. We did a little bit of the slave trade at school but it was mainly focusing on the actual movement of slaves and what they had to do when they became slaves rather than like specific people. Now I know loads. I had so much research on this amazing woman. I feel like I'd have liked to invite her to like my fantasy dinner now. Which I bet she would be jazzed about because oh what a prestigious event that would be. Um, but apparently she's really witty and smart and I bet she has like the most incredible stories. So without further ado, let's get stuck into the life of Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was actually born Arminta Ross and known as Minty, so that's what we're going to call her for the first part of the podcast. Minty was born in about 1822, but there are discrepancies as to exact date of birth as much as a couple of years out. Like, I imagine they didn't really document slaves' births very well, and also apparently when she was older and free, spoiler alert, (laughs) she used to like say she was younger than she was, which makes me just love her even more. Minty was born to enslaved parents Harriet Green, known as Ricked, and Ben Ross. And this now gets a little bit tricky, but hopefully I've made it make as much sense as possible. So Ben, Minty's dad, was enslaved by Anthony Thompson, and Ricked was enslaved by his stepson. But his stepson was still a child, and he'd inherited Ricked. So until he was of age, his stepfather managed his property... And they both worked together on a plantation near the Blackwater River in Dorchester County, Maryland. Minty's maternal grandmother, Modesty, arrived in the US on a slave ship from Africa. So that's how they came to be, but not much else is known about her ancestry, obviously. Shady records and all that. Now, a plantation, for those of us whose only experience of a plantation is the Carmichael Plantation in Sweet Home, Alabama, a plantation was basically an agricultural estate, so they'd have crops of some kind. And from what I gather from the photos, it doesn't explicitly say this anywhere, but from the photos, and Sweet Home, Alabama, a really fancy house, like, it's got to be different to a farm, right? Like, I've seen farms in America... And they don't have big fancy houses. So I, I just still don't really get it. I still don't know the difference. If someone could tell me, that would be marvellous. Um, anyway, we move. Her mother was a cook for the Brodess family. And her father was a skilled woodsman who managed the timber work on Thompson's plantation. One of the Thompsons was the second husband of one of the Brodesses. So that's how they came to be together. It's very confusing. And I didn't really get it. And I'm sorry, I'm trying to explain it to you as best as I can. So Rit and Ben married in 1808 and Minty was one of nine children. 
The US government put an end to the importation of slaves in 1808, so the only source of free labour was current slaves and their children. So slavery always threatened to tear the family apart. Whenever a plantation-owning family started to struggle with money, the slave children would be sold. Georgia slave traders were willing to pay top dollar for slaves, and subsequent to this, two of Minty's sisters were sold down south, which is so sad. What makes it even sadder is down south, the laws weren't as free as places further north. So in Maryland, slaves could be freed at age 45 if their owner died, and more often than not, that was written into the will. So people were constantly worried about being sold, and they were trying to flee up north. So the Thompson stepson came into his inheritance and Rit and five of her children were moved 10 miles away to his new property. Minty was two years old when they moved and she had a few years of freedom to play. But when Minty was five years old, she was leased to a neighbour to work. I love that. That's so nice, isn't it? Leasing a child out. The woman of the house, whose name I didn't actually note, so we're going to call her Wormy. Wormy wanted Minty to clean. So she sent Minty to clean a room, but Minty was a five-year-old child and didn't know how to clean. So she accidentally ended up creating more dust, which we've all done. We've all done that. But Wormy took this as a sign of defiance and whipped her and made her do it again. <sighs> Minty tried even harder to clean the room and ended up moving more dust in her enthusiasm and so she whipped again like it's so sad apparently she had this wormy had like a specific small whip to whip it was like it's just horrible it makes me feel sick i mean i'm gonna say thankfully but it's like the bare minimum wormy's sister stepped in and was like uh maybe she doesn't know what she's doing and she took the time to show minty how to clean a room it's like just clean the room yourself Mindy also had to look after the family's baby, like Wormy's baby. And this is just mind-blowing to me. Like, my niece is five. She's so smart. She's a great kid. Would I trust her to look after a baby? No. And obviously, like, that kind of thing's illegal now. Like, that's illegal. You can't leave a five-year-old in charge of a baby because they can't look after them. Anyway, this baby was a sickly baby, which you know, babies are. And poor Minty's job was to make sure the baby didn't cry at night. Like, that's an impossible task. Babies cry, that's how they communicate. Minty is five. She is not a professional nappy. Nappy? Nanny. Oh, that was an awful... That was an awful <laughs> misspeaking there. But, like, Minty is so small. Because she's five... She's malnourished. She's a slave. She can't hold the baby. So she has to like cradle it on the floor, which is even sadder because it's also sad for the baby. Like that baby just wants its mum. Like that baby is going to know that that five-year-old doesn't know what it's doing. And it's, uh, it's just crazy. It's just a mind-blowing situation to me. Like people in the 1800s were fucking morons. So when the baby cried, Minty was whipped again. On one occasion, Minty was whipped so badly on the neck that she had blood all over her dress. And honestly, this just fucking breaks my heart. And I just want to go back and get all five-year-old Minty. And I don't understand how she didn't become a raging psychopath from this. 
One day, Minty ran away. When Wormy turned her back, Minty saw some sugar. And she thought, hmm, I'm going to try a bit of that. So she did. But Wormy caught her. Minty ran and hid in a pig pen for five days. And that must have been awful. Like, pigs are cute, but they stink. And was she eating and drinking? I don't even want to think about that. So she went back eventually, probably because she was hungry on Thursday. And Wormy thankfully decided she was worthless. So took her back to her owner. And she was then hired out to wind yarn for a weaver, but she wasn't very good at that either because she's five and she can't sit still. Here she wasn't treated much better. She was fed scraps and slept on the kitchen floor. There's not really anything to say that she was beaten though, which, I mean, it probably did happen, but hopefully it didn't. And the woman that she worked for sent her back to you because she was like, she's no good to me. Minty was then sent into the marshes to set muskrat traps. Now, apparently it's really cold. I don't really know what a marsh is, so I looked it up. And it's low-lying land that's flooded in wet seasons. And Maryland's temperature is similar to the UK, so in winter it's pretty cold. And apparently sometimes she did have to break ice. Now, as a slave, she wasn't exactly given the appropriate clothing. So she ended up getting really sick. So sick that the mistress of the house actually gave her a blanket. Some accounts say she had measles, but I'm not sure how true that is. I don't... Did you get measles from being cold? Like, surely it'd be like pneumonia or something. Her mum begged for her to be able to come home and it took her a good six weeks to recover. Of course, as soon as she could stand, she was sent back to work. She was sent to various houses to help, but eventually was sent to work with her father and brother. So little Minty was working as a field hand and when she was 12... She soon found she was really strong. She could lift an entire sack of corn. And for a 12-year-old, that's absolutely tiny and malnourished. That is a mean feat. And this proved entertaining for the weak white people. And they often gathered to watch this super strong tiny girl. Like she's some sort of freak show or entertainment for them. Then there was an incident that would affect Minty forever. There are different versions of the story again, so I'm going to go with the most logical, like, likely version of the story. So Minty was in a village store when there was a runaway slave, and the overseer of the slave picked up a two-pound weight from the store and threw it at the runaway. Minty accidentally stepped into the path and took the weight full to the face. Her skull was broken and she drifted in and out of consciousness. The very next day, she was back working in the fields. Like, the next day. I'm sorry. I have a minor skull injury. Where I fell over and I hit my forehead on the corner of a brick wall. And I'm scarred for life. Like a bad scar. Like, people don't know what it is type scar. Like, it's not. It's very obvious. I could not have gone... Well, I mean, I'm seven, so it doesn't really... I couldn't have gone to school the next day, I guess. Actually, actually I did go to a birthday party the next day. <laughs> but, you know, that's chill and it's only a few hours. I could not have been working in a field the next day for my minor skull injury. Like, her skull had broken inward. Like, that is insane. And a piece of her head wrap was stuck and that was pulled out. So it was potential for infection, but it didn't seem like she got any. She didn't receive any real treatment, of course, so she suffered from narcolepsy, blurred vision, constant headaches and strange visions. But she did end up having a lot of visions of God talking directly to her, similar to our friend Joan. And it seems like this might be the basis of her doing what she did later in life. 
in the spring she worked in a lumbar operation lumbar i always want to say lumbar 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 we don't, i don't think we have lumbar in the uk we don't have enough big trees i guess so sorry i digress she worked in a lumbar operation with her father and the master there made a deal with her that if she would do x amount of work and whatever she did over that she could keep the money so she saved enough money to buy a pair of stairs that she rented for people to haul things with and she kept that money too so she's pretty business savvy her father's master died and it was a worrying time because when that happens no one knows what's going to happen to you but his master promised to free him when he was 45 and the master's son was honourable and gave Ben his freedom. Ben continued to work for them for a wage and stayed near his wife and children. Minty was trying to live the best life she could. She was sociable and met a lot of people, understanding the community and the way of life. She met a man called John Tubman, and he must have taken a massive shine to her. Like, absolute head over heels, because John Tubman was a free man. If he married a slave, his wife was owned by someone else, and any children that they had would be slaves too. Like, if you're American, you probably know this. But, like, just because you married a slave doesn't mean that they're free, or you own them. Like, you'd have to buy them. And there's a bit of a mystery about it as well, because there was a surplus of free black women in Maryland, so... Maryland. Maryland. In 1844-ish... She married him. She changed her name to Harriet as a homage to her mother, potentially. Or then there's, like, other accounts that say, no, she changed it after she escaped so that people wouldn't know who she was. So, one of the two. Her father being freed inspired her to hire an attorney and have him investigate her legal status. He found that there was some dodgy wording on the will that made it possible for the white owners to keep them. Rit had been enslaved to a woman until she was 45. But it didn't make specific references for Rit to be freed after the age of 45. And that wording had doomed Rit and her children to a life of slavery. So now Harriet has changed her name. I will refer to her as such. Harriet's master was short on the old cashola. And he was looking for liquidity. Liquidity. So her fate of being sold to the South was coming fast and she needed to make some tough decisions. She thought that if the law couldn't free her, she could free herself and it was now or never to make the run for freedom. In mid-September 1849, when she was 27-ish, she and two of her brothers took off. It took a couple of weeks for anyone to realise that they were missing and this is likely because they worked in different sections and people thought they'd be somewhere else or whatever, like lack of communication, I guess. And then a notice in the paper appeared for a reward of $100 per person. Her husband didn't want to go with her, but I suppose, like, as a free man, he didn't need to. But then it's like, so he was just happy to be with a slave forever? Like, I'm starting to think maybe he was pressured into being married, but he wanted to have his cake and eat it. So he decided to marry a slave because they wouldn't, like, actually be around and... You, you know what I mean? I'm thinking John Tubman might be a bit of a knob. Um, her brothers had second thoughts while they were on the run and they pressured Harriet into going back. They'd left families behind that may take punishment on their behalf. So they go back, but Harriet leaves again, this time on her own on the 3rd of October. She uses the North Star and the known typography of the land to guide her directionally, but she also has help from the Underground Railroad. She heads to a house of a white woman, which she hoped would help her, this one was a Quaker, and Quakers were big abolitionists. 
She received a note from the woman, which she then had to take to another house. And that was a big risk because she couldn't read. That note could have said anything. She followed the directions verbally given to her and made it to the next house. There she showed another woman the note and the woman just told her to start sweeping the yard, which she thought was a bit weird, but I guess it was just like hiding in plain sight until they could move on. Eventually, the woman took her to the next stop and on and on she went until she made it to Philadelphia. Here, the free black population had a proper community. There were schools, churches, stores. She found herself some work and in the summertime, she goes to New Jersey to work as a domestic. She builds networks with people so she can return to Maryland and go back for her family one day. Then, there was a legal development that made things more urgent. In 1850, the Fugitive Slaves Act meant all escaped slaves had to be returned to their masters, including the northern states where slavery was illegal. The slave capturers moved to the north, vital fucking people, and they even took, like, free black people. They just basically went up there with, like, you're black, you'll do, and would, like, kidnap them and take them down south. A lot of people were fleeing to Canada. Canada had previously refused to extradite any escaped slaves unless they committed a severe crime, such as murder, arson rape of a white woman and they welcomed people with open arms and gave them rights. Harriet's niece was in danger of being solved. Harriet already couldn't help her sisters because she didn't know where they were but wanted to help her niece. Using her contacts she got word to her niece's husband if they could get to Maryland. Oh Maryland I can't do it I can't say it. Maryland cookies Maryland Maryland. (laughs) If they could get to Maryland she could get them to safety. And this is a pretty good story, to be fair. I'm not a good storyteller. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this podcast, because I'm a terrible storyteller. I'll try my best. So, her niece is up for auction, and she's, like, in a holding area, I guess. And the niece's husband waited for the auctioneer to go to dinner, and he was all dressed really smart. And he went over to the guards of the holding area, like, all authoritative, and gave them a piece of paper, and he was like, um, I've been asked to take these to jail for the new owners, so it's those two there, I need to take them now. And because the guards couldn't read either, and he was so good at acting, they let them go. They just let them go. How amazing is that? They had to travel in a rowboat to get to Maryland, but they did. Because Harriet had such success, she took her brother and two men back to freedom. That was great. And then on her third trip, she took all manner of risk and went back to her own neighbourhood to get her husband to go with her. When she got there, she found he was remarried. See, I told you. He did not give a shit. He was not interested in her. Oh, that's my belief. He's an arse. I hate him. So, apparently she had a little breakdown, which, you know, you would. But she found other people to save, so it wasn't completely wasted. She had a few tactics to get people to safety. She usually... the youth usually, took people on a Saturday, knowing notices wouldn't appear in the papers until Monday. She drugged babies to keep them quiet, which, you know, it's not great. It's not great, Harriet, but I think at the time this was done a lot. Like, I don't know anyone whose grandparents or parents haven't advised giving the baby a drop of brandy to sleep. I have not done that for the record. Just saying. Um, She had a gun for protection, um, but also to discourage people from wussing out, apparently. She used to say, like, you know, die a free person or return a slave or something like that. That's not what she said at all, but I did not write it down. I think it's quite famous, but you can look it up. You can look it up. Uh, One day, she was dressed as an old woman and a man was coming towards her that, like, knew who she was, I think. 
she either worked for him or something. And, you know, she was already in the sky. She's just a normal woman, but oh, she still might be a bit recognisable. So she released some chickens and then, like, ran off away from the chickens and managed to get away. But she still ran off like a grandma. She was keeping in character. What a legend. She also liked to ride the train. Again, with the view, she was hiding in plain sight. But one day she, like, saw someone that she used to work for on a carriage. So she just picked up a newspaper and pretended to read. Because slaves can't read, so it couldn't possibly be her. People are idiots, man. Um, and to, like, get the attention of people that wanted to be freed, she'd walk certain paths, singing songs that were code for, I'm here if you want to leave. What a fucking hero. She even bought her parents north. Her dad bought her mother's freedom a few years ago. Now that's true love. Ben is a good guy. But her father was under investigation for harbouring fugitives. They had to be taken laying on ropes under a donkey wagon, which is, like, crazy risky. But she managed to help about 70 to 100 people to freedom this way, which is pretty cool. She bought some land for her and her parents to live in in Auburn, New York, which is pretty cool. Like, a woman owning property back then and a black woman at that. She received an invitation from an abolitionist named John Brown as he was planning a slave uprising. Harriet had had a vision of this man, so she massively talked him up and vice versa. She'd use her fame to talk about his cause and raise money and recruits for him. But a lot of people thought it might be bad publicity for her. She didn't listen. She had a vision and this was God's will. John Brown did have a lot of respect for Harriet and called her General Tubman and she called him Captain Brown. He planned a raid on a federal arsenal in Virginia and he put together an army of 20 people. Small army, I guess. Harriet wanted to join, but she was either ill of the day of the raid, or some accounts say she was helping more slaves. The latter makes her look better. <laughs> I like to think that she was like, oh yeah, I'd love to be that guy's, but <coughs> I'm sick. The slave uprising they were counting on didn't happen. There wasn't enough manpower, maybe lack of publicity, too much fear, I'm not sure. John Brown was tried, convicted, and sentenced to be hanged, and... Harriet just still, again, spoke nothing but good things of this man. The anti-slavery movement was gaining traction, though. Harriet had many supporters and she was really famous. She did a lot of speaking for anti-slavery groups and the suffrage as well. Because the movement was gaining traction, tensions were rising. People were telling Harriet it was becoming too dangerous for her to do the runs, but she still wanted to liberate one of her sisters. When she got there, she learnt her sister had passed away. Harriet tried to save her sister's children but couldn't for some reason. It's so sad. She did save another family. Like, again, she was like, oh, well, you want to be saved? Come on, then. But she must have been so devastated. In 1861, the country was in civil war, pro-Lincoln in the north and pro-Jefferson in the south. Harriet steps into the war via General Benjamin Butler, an informal scout from Maryland. She made sure her parents had enough money and someone to take care of them while they were away. And who took care of them? Her white neighbours. So there are some good white people in this story. They aided escapees to Fort Monroe in Virginia. Harriet helped as a nurse, cook, other various things, but she was doing it voluntarily. She was then deployed to go to the coast and lead fugitive slaves to freedom. She was meeting people and finding out lots of information and she brought all this information back to the camp. So then I think the soldiers were like, hang on a minute. She knows a lot. So after the first year, Harriet was asked to create an official spy network. She and her team were instrumental in a military operation and she planned and led it. 
There was a rebel outpost of the Combahee River protecting crops. There were soldiers to get through, mines in the river and slaves to free. Their ships snuck up the river, carefully avoiding the pre-mapped floating mines. And slaves were waiting to aboard along the way and they set fire to every plantation they passed. 750 slaves were freed in this raid. How amazing is that? Anyway, Lincoln was assassinated and the war was won by the Union. After the war, Harriet had supporters raving about her, but she was still in poverty having to work, even after all she did. The 13th Amendment was passed, officially lifting the institution of slavery. Although, apparently not completely, because you could still be enslaved if you committed a crime. And I, I think I feel like that may be one of those laws that still stands. <laughs> like, you know, in random places, you have really weird laws. Like, you can't eat a sandwich on a Tuesday in the river. Like, I feel like it might still be a thing. I should look that up, but I didn't. Uh, black soldiers also thought, like, their services in the war would make them more equal. But the new free black population was treated poorly. Like, white people just couldn't make the change. And a lot of them still fucking can't. For example, Harriet was one day riding on a train car on a military pass... That was rightfully hers to use. The conductor disbelieved it was her because she was woman and black. And they manhandled her so violently and put her in the baggage car that her injuries took years to recover from. And despite her years of service, Harriet didn't receive any compensation for her service. They tried to claim, oh, sorry, you were just a volunteer. Sorry, a volunteer that leads a military expedition? Uh, okay then. <sighs> A kind friend wrote a biography of Harriet, which kept her and her family going for a while. She also took in boarders to help pay bills, and one of the people she took in was Nelson Davies, a former private, now bricklayer. They fell in love, despite him being 22 years her junior, and they got married on the 18th of March, 1869. And they adopted a baby girl named Gertie in 1874, which is very sweet. Sadly, Nelson died on the 14th of October, 1888, of tuberculosis. But this does sound like a better love story, though. He really supported her in her philanthropy, and he was just as empowered and enthusiastic as her, so that's really nice. After the death of her husband, she did receive a widow's pension of $8. She argued the case again for her own wage, and it was finally increased to $20 to cover her wage. This inspired her to do the suffrage meetings for the rights of women, because it still wasn't being paid to her as her wage, it was being paid to her as part of the widow's pension. Kind, wonderful Harriet gave a lot of money to churches and causes, and she opened an all-people's home for black people. The National Association of Coloured Women and the African Methodist Church helped her to raise the money, and aged 89, Harriet became a resident in the home, and she died there aged 91. She was buried with military honours, and Auburn put up a plaque to memorise her, and I think a fair few things have been done since then. Apparently she was supposed to be put on the $20 bill, but Trump didn't want it or something, I think. See, I told you that was a lot. It was a lot. Also, just one random fact. She died the year Rosa Parks was born. So, if you like reincarnation, you'll have a field day with that one. I thought that was really interesting. So, I think we can all agree she was a pretty spectacular woman. Like, I just can't believe she didn't turn out to be a psychopath after the way she was treated. All slaves. I just... All slaves can't believe, like, they just didn't become, you know... I mean, some of them probably did, but it's so fucking sad, isn't it? You just can't believe stuff like that happened. Anyway, I'm going off a tangent. 
She just completely risked her life to help others all the time. She literally never stopped. She just wanted to help people constantly. And she just always felt like she was better off. Didn't mention this, but this is another fun fact. Apparently, someone gifted her a skirt or something once. And she just gave it away because she was like, oh, I already have one and they don't have one. <laughs> She's so fucking nice. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and do apologise that I've been a bit shushy. Um, but please do follow and review and join me next week where we'll be doing something a little lighter and looking at the history of the mermaid and how that myth legend came to be. Thanks for listening. Bye.